Thinking about going pro? Ready to up your game? Looking to become more effective and confident while maintaining your authenticity and keeping it real? How much better could you be if you had a world-class expert at your side? My guest on today's episode, Jim Cathcart, is considered one of the world's leading professional speakers. He's ranked top 1% of the top 1% and business author. Jim has delivered his message globally over 3,000 times, and his 23 books have been helping individuals, business professionals, and entrepreneurs like you achieve greater results. Join me now for an informative conversation with Jim Cathcart. Well, hello, Jim, and welcome to the podcast. We're sure delighted to have you, and I'm confident that we could have had a podcast that could last days, maybe even weeks, but just based on your experience and your insights and wisdom. You know, besides being one of the most prolific writers, busiest speakers, and in-demand coaches and advisors to entrepreneurs and business owners and corporations, you're a musician, you're a songwriter, you're a singer. And to be honest, Jim, you know, I was exhausted for you after reading your list of accomplishments and opportunities. Where do you get that energy? Thank you, Michael. That's great. Well, it's just, I don't know. I think, you know, life is looking for outlets. People aren't born that it can't express itself through them. And if people are born, which we were, obviously, then we are, we've got a duty and an opportunity. Our duty is to let as much living come through us as can be in a positive sense. And our opportunity is to live as fully as we're capable of living, mental, physical, family, social, spiritual, career, financial, emotional, you know, to just be as much of you as you can be throughout your entire life. And you shift your focus, your emphasis from time to time, from one of those areas to another without neglecting anyone for too long. And so I, you know, as you mentioned, I'm, I play guitar and sing. I'm a, I'm a musician and uh, I, I do that professionally, but it's not my profession. Right. In other words, that's not my main gig. That's my side gig. Yeah, you've achieved a level and, of professionalism, uh, but you're exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I used to play just for my amusement or, or for friends that we were getting together with. And then I, I started taking it seriously. And for eight years in California, my wife and I performed in nightclubs and, and wine bars. Really? Wow. And places like that. And then I've done special events and big, big, big events over in China with thousands of people. Uh, music was not the main show. Music was a piece of the show. The main show was me as a speaker and author. And I've, I've written, you know, like... You 22 books? I, I, by my 23 count. 23 now. Here's, 23. Here's oh, number goodness. 23. Well, I've read a bunch of them. And I remember the first one I was introduced to was The Acorn Principle. And what a life changer. Yeah. And and that's my my point. What happens with, you know, I've read a lot about your successes. Uh, we've had a chance to visit, you know, over 20 years at different conferences. I've seen you at different events. And you've always been very gracious and generous with your insights and your wisdom. What point in your life did you decide, hey, I'm going to be a writer, I'm going to be a speaker, I'm going to do this? Because I know you went through, you're an Arkansas boy, and I think you went through yeah. military school, and then you evolved, and then well, also- that was just, the Arkansas Military Academy was the officer's candidate school for the National Guard and Army Reserve. And so I went through that. That was a year-long training program. Right. Uh, but that was not a big part of my background. I, I had 40 different jobs over the years until I got into the field of professional speaking and training 40. That's incredible. I, you know, I worked in, in a bar, you yeah. know, 
pulling, pulling the handle and serving beers yeah. and, and talking to the to Norm and, and Clayton, <laughs> there, sure. that kind of a thing. Right. You know, uh, I did that. I drove trucks. I worked in warehouses, unloading trucks and boxcars. I sacked groceries. Um, God, I played the guitar and sang in nightclubs and bars and beer joints. I was a banker. I sold insurance and mutual funds. Um, and uh, it goes on and on. I had a lot of different jobs. So what inspired you? What, 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 what made you all of a sudden you wake up one morning and you're going, I think I'm going to be a speaker. And I'm thinking I'm going to write books. Well, it was or... someone like you. It was Earl Nightingale. Earl Nightingale. He was on the radio. Right. And I was sitting at a, a gray metal desk in a government agency, the Little Rock, Arkansas Housing Authority. And I was a clerk who was there to assist a man who was not busy. And uh, his name was Bob Moore, and he didn't need help. And I was his helper. So I was bored to tears all day long, just sitting there reading books on urban renewal and realizing this was not my path. Mm -hmm. And one day I heard the radio in the next room playing Earl Nightingale. And he said, if you'll spend an extra hour each day focused on studying your field, your chosen field, five years from now, you'll be a leading expert. And I did the math. That's, you know, five days a week, 50 weeks a year, five years, 1,250 hours. Well, you study any one thing for 50 hours, you're going to be an expert. And then I had a new dilemma. <laughs> okay, I understand the formula. I believe I could do that. What right. do I want to be an expert at? Right. I don't know. And so it took me a few weeks to figure out, I want to do what he's doing. And sure enough, you know, I've been doing it now for more than 40 years. Well, I know it's just incredible. And your body of work is just, I mean, you've got a legacy of work and I mean, you're still producing, which is most of us want to hang up the towel. You know, I know you believe this uh, fundamentally as a value. We, there's no such thing as retirement. You love right. what you're doing. You're not working. And you well, know, you can come to my retirement party. They may call it a funeral, but it'll be my retirement party. Exactly. Now you've had successes and they're well-documented and people can go to your website and we'll talk about some of the things you're going to be working on. What about failures, Jim? Um, do you know what that oh, yeah. even looks like? Like a lot of people with COVID, you know, we've gone through a lot of things. I, I remember just as a speaker, our business, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but things died. You wake up one morning and we lost our jobs, right? And so we had to pivot and yeah. people look at adversity. They look at it differently. What about you? Did well, you have think you about this? I, I was, I was a speaker, full-time speaker and have been since 1977. My only job. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the music is yep. just for fun, but my full-time occupation is as a speaker and author, a mentor yep. in the field of self-development. And I've done that for 40 plus years. Incredible. Started Well, 45 years. I started yep. in 1977 full-time and I've had partnerships that were bad. Mm -hmm. I've had partnerships like the one with Tony Alessandro that were wonderful. I've co-authored a lot of books and I've built businesses. I've been involved with a number of businesses where I was a founder or co-author owner. And, uh, and many, most of those went very well. But I had one that was based in Arizona, coincidentally, that went further south than south. And I lost hundreds of thousands of dollars and I was betrayed, basically. I felt that was mm, at terrible. the moment of my highest success. When I was generating 100% of our revenue, my partner said to me, Jim, you were asking for us to change our partnership deal so that you were building equity. And nah, I'm not going to do that. Oh, and I said, terrible. well, okay, um, why not? I said, I'm producing all the revenue. I'm leveraging all of my contacts, bringing everything into this company. And all I'm getting is commissions. Mm. 
I want to be building equity or otherwise I'll have to go find something else to do. Right. And the guy said, no, he said, uh, he said, Jim, this works for me. I said, well, no kidding. And because uh, I'm building your, <laughs> it's all about me. Right. And he said, he said, you don't get it. Do you? And I said, what do you mean? I don't get it. He said, I didn't make a bad deal. You did. Oh, interesting. Wow. And he said, that's not my problem. I said, well, it wasn't a minute ago, but it is now because your revenue just stopped. Adios. I'm yeah, done. I'm out of here. And uh, we ended up talking through lawyers for a little while. Uh, and then finally, I just walked away. And I you know, I had mortgaged my home to get into that. So uh, this was a big deal. Big, big, big deal. That was an expensive and, lesson. Uh, sure. I had told all my friends, all my contacts, all my clients, I told everybody about it and about him. And I ended up, you know, taking a huge financial hit and going through a couple of years of what you would consider in a marriage post-divorce syndrome <laughs> in a partnership. The same thing takes place, just yeah. has different manifestations. Right, right. And um, I finally bounced back. And then I wrote the book, The Acorn Principle, and that became number two national bestseller yep. in ebook and was translated around the world. And I've been in other partnerships since then. And right. Still co-authoring with Tony Alessandro from time to time, which is fun. And, uh, you know, life is good. God's great and beer's delicious. All of us come across, you know, adversity. And you teach, you talk about mindsets. Matter of fact, three areas you seem to work in is we've got number one motivation, you know, getting the right mindset. So I want you to chat about that for a minute or two. And then strategy, your advice and insights, and then training. So why don't you address those three issues and how maybe the listeners can sure. use those three issues and apply them in their well, world? When I started in this business, I had been actively involved in the JCs, the Junior Chamber of Commerce. Mm -hmm. When I say active, I mean 400 meetings in two years years after working on weekends for no pay or hundreds. That's given back. Yeah. Wow. So I formed a chapter with some friends and they said, why don't you become president? You recruited 13 of our original 20. I said, no, I don't, I'm, I don't know how to do president. And they said, okay, you be the liaison between us and the state headquarters and you bring us the news and tell us how to do things. And I said, okay. So I read the officers and directors guide cover to cover three times, literally every word of it, including footnotes and got to where I, on request, spout off the keys to effective meeting or how to put together a project planning guide or how to motivate volunteers or, you know, all kinds of things like that. And that led to my becoming the state chairman in charge of leadership training. They called it individual development. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up going all over the state, leading group discussions and giving speeches and seminars on goal setting, interpersonal communication, time management, strategic thinking, things like that. And I became better and better at it, you know, after about a hundred meetings, I got really good at it. Right. After about 200, I was popular and being in demand all over the state. So I've been to almost every tiny little town in the state of Arkansas. And I mean that literally, I mean, evening shade, you know, which had a population of about 30. Goodness. Catfish farms yeah. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> little Rock, of course, is right. the chap capital city, but I've been to New Nada and Fox and Pencil Bluff and, and my city and mm -hmm. Timbo and Snowball. And uh, it, it goes on and on. And I could do this all day long. So that was great training and building my confidence and building my savvy, my expertise right. in the area of personal development. But it was fundamental level. It was all starting with the basics. Go back and read Think and Grow Rich, How to Win Friends and Influence People, Power of Positive Thinking, you know, and then later the Zig Ziglar came along yep. and I read Zig's uh, See You at the Top, right. which was originally called Biscuits, Fleas, and Pump Handles, the three stories that were the main part of the Core book. Core of his book, sure. Yeah. And then I met 
as you have, Og Mandino, and, right. and got a chance to work with him. And we became good friends. Greatest salesman and, in the world. Uh, w. Yep. Clement Stone and you know, all the, the big names of back then. Well, and then one day I was I had become I'd moved from Arkansas to California and I'd become partners with Dr. Tony Alessandro, who was a college professor, and he wanted to get into this business that I was in. And we were sitting there in the office, the phone rang and I picked it up, and it was Earl Nightingale calling me. Goodness, that's a treat. And I just you know, I didn't know what to say. And he said, may I speak to Jim Cathcart? And I said, this, 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 this is he. And he said, <laughs> yeah, I just stuttered. read an article of yours that would make a good audio program. He said, my company publishes those. I said, well, sir, Conan. not only do I know that, but I bought your audios and listened to them for very many years, every single day. That's true. And then I sold your audio programs door to door in Little Rock to businesses right. in 1974 and 75. And uh, I said, so the program you're asking about is an audio program that we produced ourselves. He said, send it to me. I did. He said, we'll publish it if you'll re-record it. So we re-recorded it and Nightingale Conant Corporation sold relationship strategies for dealing with the differences in people. Right. $3.6 million worth in the first two years it was out, 1985 and 86. Amazing. Just amazing. Yeah. We went from nobodies to world renowned in a matter of two years. And at the same time, I had gotten on the board of directors of the National Speakers Association, right. was going through the chairs there and getting to know all my heroes. I was now working with them. So it was a big deal. No kidding. No, you talk about mindset and and I think mindsets, you know, I paid a lot of focus to it, particularly in the age of you know COVID and the pandemic. You've got a quote, you say, your mindset and your lifestyle must be made and it's going to be made by someone else or by you. So why not take mm -hmm. charge of it? How can people take charge of their mindset? What any tips on what they can do to do as entrepreneurs and business people in my mind is the number one thing we have to do is protect our confidence as moms and dads and yeah. partners protect your confidence. And there's so much out there that wants to erode your confidence. How do you make sure every day you're getting up, you got that right mindset to get started for the day and face the challenges First, that lie ahead? First, you've got to be aware of it. You've got to realize what your mindset is. In other words, you've got to literally think about your own thinking right. and your own feeling. Because the way you look at the world is the result of how you were taught to look at the world by mom, dad, friends, family, other extended family, teachers, church, community, schools, you know, all, all right. this and the news that you feed on, that all shaped the mindset you have. Now, have you been exposed? I'm not talking only to you, Michael, but to everyone right. listening. Have you been exposed to all the information in the world in a reasonable way so that you can evaluate what's true and what's not? The answer is, of course, no, absolutely not. Right. Nobody has. No. Nobody's that well informed. No. Okay. So your mindset and my mindset are based on our limited life experience. Right. We can't know anything that is outside of what we've been exposed to. Everything we know and everything we think about what's true and what's not true in the world has come through the filters that are between it and us. Right. There's absolutely no way that you're positively always reliably correct. You right. really need to look at what your mindset is. Years ago, I had an opportunity to deliver a sermon at a church. Mm -hmm. I'm not a preacher. I was not ordained. I, I didn't go to seminary. You know, I'm not a deacon in a church or, or have any kind of a position that would have led me to that opportunity. But a friend of mine, Bill Patrick, was pastoring a church in Little Rock, Arkansas in 1974. And he said, Jim, I need you to preach on Sunday. And I laughed. And he said, no, I'm serious. I've got to go to Boston for an event and somebody's got to 
lead this crowd. The right, right. I've heard you speak. <laughs> yeah. I've heard you speak. You're good with, with the groups. Right. And you've got a good heart and a good message. I want you to deliver the sermon on Sunday. I said, well, how am I going to do that? He said, well, here's where we keep the key to the church. So you have to go there and unlock the church, greet the people. Here's where the light switches are. Goodness me. Here's the structure of a, a, of a program, you know, a service. All you've got to do is come up with a sermon. And so I thought about it and prayed about it. And I, I came up with a structure, Michael, that has served me well ever since that day in, think about this, 1974. Wow. 84. 94, 2000, still relevant, 2014, still relevant. And pretty soon, yeah, yeah, almost 50 years later, 48 years. And here's the structure determine what you believe. In other words, notice what you think is true. Right. Determine mm. what it is that you believe. Right. Identify it. Sure. Test what you believe. Mm. In other mm. words, live it, express it, expose it to criticism, you know, Scrutiny. test it. Sure. Yeah, to see if it truly works. Withstand because scrutiny. if that truly works, yeah. then you've got a solid belief. You can put some put put your weight on it, right. right? Third, live what you believe. Yeah. So first, determine what you believe. Second, test what you believe to make sure it's reliable and a good good choice. And then third, if that's the case, live it. Make it show up in every part of your life. And that's just been such a good way to think about mindset. Yeah. So take it out of a religious context and right. just put it in the day-to-day -day living. Know what you believe is so. Right. And look at your attitudes, attitudes toward yourself, attitudes toward other people. You know, I had a guy the other day who's a very, very successful man. He said to me, what, what, do you ever experience imposter syndrome? Mm. Yeah, that's a big Whereas topic. you feel yeah. like, you know, yeah. you're, you're being regarded as more than yes. you really are. Yes. And you're getting away with it. Yeah. And I said, of course. It's a thing. Everybody it's experiences a real thing. that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, but here's what imposter syndrome is. It's an emotional remnant of the person you used to be. Mm, well said. An so emotional acknowledge remnant. Acknowledge it. Yeah. And go on with living regardless. Yeah. You know, because it's not, it's not a fact that'll hold you back. It's your opinion. And it's always based on where you're standing when you're looking at it. In other words, your perspective, perspective. your point mm -hmm. of view. Mm -hmm. So that's mindset. And if you think that all these people who are school teachers are more important than you, that they're big people and you're not, then you're going to perceive that you're the imposter in the room. Right, right. Or perception. First time I gave a speech to a, a faculty mm -hmm. at a college in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I felt a wave of imposter syndrome come over me. But then I realized they don't know what I know. Here's a great illustration of that. I was hired by the American Medical Association to speak on the subject of leadership when I was 30, 32 years old, something like that. Wow. They flew me from Oklahoma, where I was living at the time, to uh, Los Angeles, to the Biltmore in Los Angeles. And I was speaking to the American Medical Association, chiefs of staff of hospitals, not just doctors, Doctors in charge of doctors. Right. So the big Old people times two, and I'm not a doctor. I was an army medic, but that just meant I understood how big the gap was between me and these big people. It could be intimidating. So I go to the conference to speak on the subject of leadership. Now, I know leadership because right. I've been teaching ground level leadership 
all across the state of Arkansas and then all across the nation when I went to the headquarters of the U.S. Junior Chamber of Commerce. I flew into many, many states and uh, was teaching leadership to sometimes thousands of people. And uh, I was writing books on leadership, workbooks, and people were adopting, you know, 70,000 people bought my one of my books on leadership the first year it came out. So, you know, I knew what I was talking about, at least at beginning level leadership. Here I was getting ready to speak to a group of doctors and they've all got their readers on, you know, yeah, their glasses yeah, on yeah. the tip Down of their on the nose. nose. Sure. And so <laughs> the two doctors that spoke before me yeah. went up to the lectern, leaned on the lectern and read their papers. Oh, they were presenting a paper. Yeah. Not, not an idea, uh, but a paper, yeah. right? Way to engage and an audience, yeah. No kidding. And the audience, I'm sitting in the audience, and they're going to sleep. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, pause and think for a minute. Let's get a matter of perspective. What was the conference? The conference was a medical association conference. What was it about? Important changes and latest developments in the field of medicine. Right. Okay. Who were the audience members? Doctors who would be applying what they were learning with mm -hmm. their own staff back home in their hospitals. So the implications of each presentation could be literally life and death when put into practice back home mm -hmm. and they're going mm -hmm. to sleep. Mm -hmm. Now, are they going to sleep because of the importance of the information? No. Are they going to, to sleep because of the credentials of the presenter? Absolutely not. Why are they going to sleep? Presentation style. Yeah. Leadership. Yeah. Oh, my. Message so, was good. Yeah. So when they introduced me, they said our next speaker is, you know, the uh, president of his own training firm. He's done this and this and this. He's written this book. And uh, he's, you know, he's also been a nightclub singer, a bartender, a bill collector, an insurance <laughs> agent, an association executive and uh, Internet business owner. Let's, you know, no, not at that time. Internet business owner wasn't on the list. Right. Because the Internet wasn't. 90s, sure. Said, Let's welcome Jim Cathcart. And so I go to the front of the room and nobody's smiling because that introduction usually gets a chuckle. Yeah. And um, you're going, oh, boy. Yeah. So I, I walk to the front of the room and I unwrap the microphone from its gooseneck. Remember those on the yeah, yeah the, absolutely. The ones that go, eh, yeah, eh, yeah. And you move it. So I unwrap the microphone and I step out from behind the lectern right. and the audience recoils. They back up. Oh my gosh, he's getting close. He might touch someone. There goes the barrier. And, um, yep. and I said, I'd like you to go back in your minds to medical school and put yourself in one of the classes you had on leadership and motivating others. Yeah, that didn't happen. And I paused. Yeah, that didn't And happen. I said, could I see a show of hands of those of you who had such a class on leadership in medical school. No hands went up. Yeah. I said, please look around the room. And they did. And I said, do you know what this means? What? I said, it means I'm the expert and you guys should take notes. <laughs> and they started brilliant. laughing. Yeah. And then they started applauding. Yeah. And they said, you know what? This rosy cheeked kid Good makes sense. Yep. Let's listen to him. That's awesome. And at the end of my presentation, they gave me a five out of five rating and hired me again for Washington, D.C. the next month. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, now that goes back to mindset. Mindset. This episode is sponsored in part by Rainmaker Digital Solutions, featuring ActiveCampaign. 
Looking to drive growth with customer experience automation? ActiveCampaign, the number one marketing automation platform for e-commerce, B2C, and B2B companies, gives you the email marketing, marketing automation, and CRM tools you need to create incredible customer experiences. ActiveCampaign is the platform we use to reach, nurture, convert, and grow our business, and you can use it to grow yours. You can see why 150,000 businesses like yours choose ActiveCampaign to help them grow and become preferred in the markets they serve. You can start your free trial by visiting our website and clicking on the Active Campaign trial link. As a bonus, we'll also give you a digital copy of my book, Becoming Preferred, How to Outsell the Competition. And in the interest of full disclosure, I am a shareholder in the company. Now for the rest of my conversation with Jim Cathcart. Well, mindset shows up in a lot of your writings. Like I've read a lot of your material over the years and, and seen presentations and on YouTube, people can go see, you know, see what you talk about. And it actually brings me to my next question. One of the values that I think are important or strategies that you talk about is the six steps that make up what you call the causation chain of choices. So the things that come into it and mindset's yeah. number one. All right. And then you talk about actions, habits, uh, reputation, relationships, yeah. and future. Do you, should we address some of those quickly and just talk about, so mindset's number sure. one, which you've sure. done a thorough well, job. The way on. this works is every single thing you do, right. aside from a twitch, that's a response to a, a physical stimulus, sure. everything larger than that, that you do in your life is based on how you were thinking at the moment. Yeah. Everything. That makes There's sense. There's not an action in your life that didn't come from your thinking at some level. Right. Because even your feelings evolve from your thinking. If you think a dog is a threat, you will treat the dog as, as an adversary. If you think a dog is a pet, you'll treat the dog as a loving friend. Well, as a man thinketh. Right? Yeah. You know, right? Right. So the dog's the same. Yeah. You're the same. The only factor in your choice is mindset. Okay. And you're thinking it's a threat doesn't make it a threat, but it will make you behave as if it were one. Right. Mindset leads to the actions you take. Now, the actions you take habitually become your habits. So you repeat an action over and over again. It starts a pathway in your brain. Right. And there literally are dendritic tissue that develops and the synapses are going along a new pathway and it becomes stronger and stronger and stronger until it's a habit. And then it's hard to eliminate a habit. Why? Because you cannot eliminate that pathway. You can only build a new one. Yeah, that makes sense. So you have to get a new behavior, repeat, repeat, repeat until it's stronger than the old one. So that's how habits work. If you want more on that, get uh, Charles Duhigg's book, the power of habit. Amazing. Um, yeah. or, or go back ages ago to Dr. George Weinberg's book, Self Creation. He says, the self create, we all create ourselves on some level. And he says, the self creation principle is this every time you act, you reinforce the thinking that goes with that act. So mm. our actions lead to our habits. Our habits are the way the world notices us. So if I ask, tell me about Michael Vickers. Well, someone's going to, who knows of you mm -hmm. will tell me of the patterns they've observed that are you mm -hmm. patterns or habits, right? Mm -hmm. So they'll see that he is a very serious guy. He is a very playful guy. He's a funny guy. He's a open and, and engaging guy. He's a pretty reserved and cool character, whatever. Right. They will tell me about habits. Now, your habits, once someone else perceives them, 
are your reputation. Hmm. Tell me about Michael. They tell me about your habits. Okay, that is your reputation. Right. Well, that's not what I'm really like. Doesn't matter. Your reputation is never what you're really like. It's what the world sees of what you're like. Sure. Okay? Mm -hmm. So if you change the messages going out through new habits, then you will change the reputation you have among other people. And your reputation determines which doors will open for you and which remain shut. Yeah, it's interesting. So in other words, your relationships are always going to be reflective of the reputation you express. Right. So if you want big people to open doors for you, then you better have a reputation that makes them want to know you. Right. People ask me, how do I get to know people in powerful positions? I said, I say to them, be seen by them as someone who's bringing something they want. Value. In other words, don't go to sell them on something. No. Do like a, a new friend did with me the other day. He said, Jim, glad to get to know you. Tell me something. What could you use some help with? And I thought, wow, I like this guy. Yeah, when does that right? ever happen? Because he's talking about me and about what I can benefit from. Right. So the the relationships you're able to form determine the size of the future that's possible for you at this point. Right. So if you want a big future, look at your mindset. If you want a different future, look at your mindset because it's mindset, actions, habits, reputation, relationships, future. In the future. No, I remember reading um, some of your material years ago and from that forming new habits, for, for instance, I took one of mine and I used it as personal R&D time. So I'm a five o'clock guy. Now it's, it's, I don't even get an alarm. I'm up at usually quarter to five, 4.30 sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I make my morning cup of Java. I, I do have an addiction there, which I enjoy and it's one I love. But for yep. two hours, that first two hours of the day is mine. It's R&D time, research and development. And it never failed. You know, I ask audiences all the time, uh, you know, how many of you read books? Very few hands go up. I say, how many books a year? One book, two wow. books. And if I said, if I asked you and pressed you further, what was the name of the last book you read and what did you learn from it? They can't even tell me. So I don't embarrass them. But people have just stopped. And, and it really is the summation of all of our habits that go into it. Yeah. And so it's a matter of declaring that, you know, hey, I want to be the grandest version of myself that I ever had of myself. And then what habits are going to get me there? Because it's always the results are your future. It's the result of that. It's what you're saying. Exactly. Years ago, I was fat. I weighed 200 pounds. I weigh 150 now, and I've weighed 150 since 1970. Well, you look great. You're in good shape. Thank you. But in 1974 and five, I weighed 200 pounds. Wow. I was overweight, out of shape, smoking two packs a day and all that. Really? And yeah. And uh, I decided that I was going to stop smoking and get in shape and become slender. Now, notice I didn't say I was going to lose weight. I said I was going to become slender. slender. What's the difference? Well, I had been a successful dieter for much of my early adulthood because every time I would go on a diet, I would lose 20, 30 pounds. Right. And then a year or two later, I'd have it back. So I was a successful dieter, but I was not a slender person. I was a fat person who occasionally shrank. Interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I decided once I got into all this goal setting and personal development after, you know, Earl Nightingale and the JCs and all right. these things I'd learned, I said, I'm going to become a slender person. Now, what's the difference? Well, slender people don't think of food the way fat people do. Slender people think of food as fuel and as a treat. Fat people think of 
food as it kind of like Jonathan Livingston Seagull, you know, the, the book talked about two points of view. You eat to live or you live to eat. Well, most of them live to eat. Comfort. They get Comfort. up in the morning thinking about food. I yeah. did. Yeah. You know, I didn't take care at what I was eating. So I changed my eating habits for five years. Wow. I didn't go on a diet for five months. I changed my eating habits with a five-year commitment. Well, that's that's a long time. And now all the diets are the same. Reduce the intake or change the nature of the intake, like from sugar to meat, you know. Yeah. Reduce or change the nature of the intake, increase the burnout. Yep. Okay. Simple so, math, really. Yep. Simple yeah, math. It's either exercise or input right. or both. Yep. And I chose to do both. So I became fit. I became a runner, despite the discouragement of all my friends who were not fit. Key <laughs> yeah. element. We all have those. They were not fit. Right. Oh, Jim, that's not good for you. It'll hurt your ankles and your knees. I had a friend that jogged once and, and you know, he lost his car. Right. You know, I mean, they, you know, right, they come right. up with this, all the horror stories. Things that sure. Heard of. Oh, I had my knees are bad. Once. My knees are bad. Jogging yeah. and lightning struck him. Yeah. You shouldn't jog. You know, thank you for your advice, but go away. And uh, so I started running and sure enough, I had, you know, plantar fasciitis and pains here and there for the first right. few months. And for the succeeding 40 years, haven't had those problems. So those were simply the transition pains of going through the process from not fit to fit. Second thing, I had to become a non-smoker. Right. I didn't want to quit smoking. I wanted to be a non-smoker. What's the difference? Lots of people quit and start again. My dad quit in his 70s and started again. My mom quit in her 70s, never started again, lived to age 90. Right. Dad died at age 80 from hardening of the arteries, top to bottom, diet and smoking Yeah. Um, and lack of exercise. I have become today, January 25th, 1974, I am a non-smoker. So you declared it. I will never smoke And then yeah. Yeah. I'm done. Yep. And my friends said, well, so you're trying to quit. No, no, I, 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 quit. I quit. I gave away the ashtrays. I gave away the engraved personalized lighters to people. You I didn't know so that they wouldn't come back to me. Um, I got out of the smoking business altogether. They said, yeah, well, what if it's really tough? I said, then it's really tough. Right. Mm. Next. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In other words, embrace the toughness. Embrace the yeah, welcome it the toughness. It doesn't yeah. change my commitment. It just makes yeah. it more painful. Yeah. Okay. So I have to endure the pain. What if it takes longer than you thought? Then it takes longer. But I'm not going back on my plan. I made a commitment. That's it. Right. Right. Now that they say, oh, you've got iron will. Well, no. Discipline comes in nanoseconds. Discipline comes when you go, oh, that smells good. Let me just get one out. I'm not going to light it. Oh, I, yeah. I, you know, that's where the discipline comes in. You don't do those little things. The triggers. Yeah. Stay away yeah. from the triggers. Little, yep. little moments. And you say, well, you know, I mean, it's already lit. I might as well smoke. No, no. Put it out. Go walk away. Yeah. You know, Throw the chips away. No. Throw the chips away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just say no. Well, what if your friends are smokers or where your friends are drinkers? What are your friends are drug users? Then get new friends. Well, that's your relationships now coming out of that reputation again. Yeah. And yeah. You don't have to 
declare the, the other people to be persona non grata, just diminish the amount of time you have with them right. to a small percentage and get around people like you. How we live today affects us 10 years from now. So, yep. you know, that becomes important. Um, Jim, let's talk about you. You're always coming up with new products. I, like I say, I don't know where you get the energy from. I'm exhausted. I always thought I had good energy until we follow what you do. <laughs> And uh, that's a whole book by itself. Let's talk about your, you've come up with a new experience. You call it the Going Pro Experience. And yeah. really excited to see that and hear that. Tell us, what, what was the germination of that idea? Sure. What, what was the purpose of that? And who's that for? And how does it help them? Well, I've written 23 books now, as we mentioned earlier. Crazy. And I wanted to be able to take some of the best ideas from all those books and put it into a live experience with people. And at the beginning of COVID, I naturally went online with my coaching and training. And I decided to shift from putting myself out primarily as a keynote speaker to letting that be something I do, but making my primary emphasis and primary outreach be as a mentor. So when people ask me today, what do you do? I say, I'm a mentor. What does that mean? That means that I help people grow in their chosen field. What, how do you do that? You know, and I do that through personal counseling and through small group mentor programs. And I, I put together this program, which I did last November, live and in person in Nashville, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. I had a group of people there and we spent three and a half days going through this process in person. Then I changed it to online with a mastermind event in person at the end. And so this one, which is going on right now as we speak, is called the Going Pro Spring 2022 cohort, meaning the group. Right. And it's eight weekly Zoom meetings, which are 90 minutes each on Fridays. So at 11 o'clock each Friday, I tune in and they, they tune in. And if anyone wants to be in this, there's still time. Uh, so anyway, we get together and then I walk them through the process of taking one part of their life and raising the standards in that area, the standards and the performance both, uh, to where they are truly going professional in a more meaningful way on that aspect of their world. And it doesn't matter and, what, what that aspect is. So if you've got a myriad no, of people. Some of them from... have, have put the focus on, on personal development right. and relationships some are focused on writing a book. Some are focused on uh, advancing their career. And one of them's a filmmaker. Um, you know, so it's it, it's different for different people. And some of them are just there. It's a couple of people are already retired. They just want to be more effective in living their life in a meaningful way. So it's different for different people, but it, it, here are the basic things that we apply to whatever pathway you're pursuing. Right. Become more intentional about everything you do. Become more accountable, or accountable in everything you do. Right. More knowledgeable in everything you do continually. Right. More disciplined in everything you do. And then finally, more honorable about mm -hmm. everything mm -hmm. you do. Mm -hmm. Now, if you do those five things in all the areas related to your path, you are guaranteed rapid advancement in that path. And I walk people through early on a choice. What level do you want to reach? Because your ambition the size and, and intensity of your ambition determines how much you're going to go. For. If you're just okay being competent, then it won't take long to get there. If you want to be excellent, that takes more commitment. Become a master in your niche, that's even more. Leading authority in your niche, more. 
celebrity, star, superstar. It's going to take everything you are and everything you have. Right, right. Because you cannot reach those top three levels without going all in. And how you every how, way you that makes sense. If how you, you don't want to see your name up no. in lights, then you're not ready to shoot for star. Right. You talk what about velocity too and personal velocity. So everyone has a different level. I think there's two or three areas that you mentioned in your books about yeah. what, you know, I slowly get, um, I might a little speedy, you know, some of us are impatient yeah. in today's world. A lot of our younger generation, they want that immediate gratification. I don't want to put in the time. See, there's a difference, Michael, between velocity and commitment. Velocity is a natural pattern of energy and drive in a person. Right. And you don't increase or decrease your velocity. You can operate more often at the top of your zone, but you're not going to change yourself from a high velocity to a low velocity person or a low velocity to high. It's natural to you. You are what you what are. What you learn to do is optimize that. Mm -hmm. and, and wanting something a lot is way different from committing to having it because it, it, that's kind of like the will to win. I wrote a book with Brian Tracy yeah. and it's called The Will to Win. And uh, we invited other people to become co-authors in it. And my chapter was the one on the will to win. And in it, I said, everybody has the desire to win. That's nothing. That's like everybody has desire for good food, a lot of money, right? you know, sure. all that to be loved and admired. But the will to win includes with it the will to endure the difficulty, the pain, the discomfort, the embarrassment, the awkwardness to persist when you can't see whether you're making progress or not. The will to change yourself if necessary to adapt to the new goal and the new future that you have in mind. The will to, to be disciplined about doing things accurately and getting it absolutely right instead of just getting it done. You know, the will to win includes a whole lot of other sub wills that are essential if you're going to win. So going pro is about getting people to figure out, am I all in? If you're not all in, that's okay. How much are you in? Okay. What's reasonable for you? What goals are you working toward? Is that goal sensible for the level of commitment you're bringing to the table? If not, what can we change? Or could we outsource it? You know, can you get right. resources or other people? Delegate it. Um, so looking at all that, really changes the the mix. Is there an ideal candidate for the program? Because I know you don't let everyone yeah. into the program that just wants to get into the program, but I did like, for instance, business owners, uh, corporate right. executives want to take well, and lead their own companies. I've got a, a very detailed articulation of, of the ideal candidate for right. this, but it boils down to this. Someone who has decided to succeed, mm -hmm. period. They're going to no matter what, but this will help them get there sooner with less pain. Accelerates it with yeah. So, so you're going to help them avoid it, the obstacles. Also makes the journey a lot more enjoyable. Yeah, you're navigate. You're guiding them. You're guiding them through the process. You're not and I'm solving saving them the pain and the self doubt, the wasted money on things that don't pay off enough, that sort of thing. Well, it's I you know I always I would equate it to you know they're Obi Wan Kenobi, you're their Yoda. You're helping them. You don't solve it. You don't fight their battles, but you're there supporting them, bringing Here's out the, the most in them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> What's intuitive to them, right? What's intuitive to them? Yeah. So you're gonna be 
running uh, several times a year. You're going to be running your uh, Going Pro experience yep. and, and over the summer. Yep. Now, we'll post in our show notes uh, information where they can find out more about that and go to it. And I'd highly encourage those to do it. It's continuous improvement, continuous learning, as we both know, is the key to it. And I can just imagine what 40 plus years of all of those principles and stories that you teach and you write about that they're going to be able to have access to. And they have access to you. So in the group, oh, you, yeah. you keep them yeah, small. Direct personal access to me. It's my focus attention on them for eight consecutive week plus a two and a half day weekend event in Austin, Texas with me and some of my amazing colleagues. Well, Jim, this has been a real treat. You've given us uh, tons of time, which we really appreciate. Thank you. Um, enjoyed it. And lots of lots of fun. I literally, we could we should do this again. Maybe later in the year, we'll have you back and we'll talk about some of the results that are coming out of your Going Pro experience. Yeah. And Also, I'm going to Machu Picchu in Peru in June for a week and leading people through a week of self-discovery while we explore the country of Peru oh, with that- an excursion company called Excursion me peru.com slash acorn principle oh. and you can see the whole description oh that sounds good make sure you go to cusco and, and the, the food's good there too so you'll yeah that's awesome yeah that's what we're well, flying into and maybe it'd be worth having you back and bringing some of uh, the people that have gone through your program with some of their success stories and how they've That'd applied cool it idea. that would be a, yeah. a fun thing to do Jim Cathcart, you're a star. Um, I've always admired your work and your generosity. Uh, you've given so much and without taking. Um, a lot of people are, you know, gimme, gimme, gimme. You've always been coming from a place of contribution. So you do have a good heart and your wisdom and your insights are uh, pure and they work. And most importantly, they work and they'll make your lives better. So I'd invite our audience to go visit your site, hit the show notes. We'll have everything that uh, they need there. And we'll look forward yep. to having you back again. Thank you, Jim. This podcast is created and associated with Summit Media. My production team is Beth Smith, Jenny Lyon, and Kendra Vickers. The fee for this show is that you share it with friends when you find something useful or interesting.